0: Profit First Nation is the podcast for intelligent entrepreneurs who have taken ownership of their financials and leverage Profit First as a cash management system to make their businesses permanently profitable. I am Danielle Mulvey, an expert at guiding entrepreneurs on owning their financials in as little as 11 minutes per day and doing Profit First right. If you are a fan of Profit First and its author, Mike Michalowicz, you have found your tribe. We are a nation of successful entrepreneurs driven to be permanently profitable with a grit and a growth mindset that lets no obstacle stand in our way in pursuit of the three P's passion, profit, and play. On Profit First Nation, we dive into advanced Profit First strategies and we share the honest and authentic ups and downs of being a business owner. And we are going to talk one of my two favorite topics today. Um, If you are a longtime listener, I think you can guess what they are. Um, The only two ways to increase profitability are to increase margin and decrease expenses. And today we have a special guest. That is going to work with us on talking about that opportunity to increase margin. We have Ron Saharian, the co-founder of Profit First Professionals, and um, some of you also know him as Obi Ron. Welcome to the podcast, Ron.
1: Thank you. I appreciate the intro, Danielle. Yes. It's great to be here.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So, um, I mean, you and I, I think, share the similar DNA about pricing and valuing. So, um, you know, why don't we just dive in and talk about, you know, kind of your experience? I mean, you work with a lot of entrepreneurs and Mm -hmm. uh, on this specific topic and, and help guide them. And it's a lot of mindset. So where do you want to start?
1: Well, let's just talk about that pricing is marketing. Yeah. Right? Pricing dictates perception. Exactly right. Yeah, I mean, one of the stories that I I, I tell when people are, you know, in a race to lower their price is like, no, 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 you're 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 going to be more of a commodity than. And so, why I say pricing is marketing and pricing dictates perception. You know, look at car shopping, right? When you're you're buying a car, you know, you say you're looking at a Toyota, great car, has a lot of bells and whistles, it's nice. Then you look at a Bentley okay? And the price is three to four times as much as a Toyota. You're automatically going to assume that it's probably better leather, has better components, just better materials, right? You assume automatically. The same thing is say, Danielle, you and your husband are walking down uh, Main Street Booth, where our global headquarters is, right? And you pass a jewelry store. You walk in it and you, you and your husband are like, wow, this is a pretty necklace. And you know what? You look at the price tag and it says $25. You automatically realize or assume that it's cubic zirconia. It's probably not platinum, probably not real gold or silver, but it's more costume jewelry. You buy it. Great. Awesome. You know, I know you have some active kids at home. Maybe your kids may end up playing with it and break it. No big deal. You'll call me up and say, hey, Ron, can you get me another one of these necklaces? Sure. No problem. Now, on the opposite side, you walk into that same jewelry store and look at that same necklace, Danielle, and the price on it is 15000 okay? Automatically, you're going to be like, wow, this is real diamonds, real gold, platinum, you know, all of the great stuff. And even if you buy it, right, if you're fortunate enough to buy it, guess what? Those kids aren't going to play with it. You're probably going to lock it up in a, 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 a vault. It's going to eventually be an heirloom. Right. And so a funny thing happens when people pay a premium for services or products, they will tend to treat it better. And there's already the assumption that this is quality. So all we need to do is just have the value conversation to justify the price at that point.
0: Well, and, and you know, how much of a value conversation do you have to have when you can already? S- tell the difference. I think the, the the sense of value is in the buyer, right?
1: Mm, yep, absolutely. And it also starts with how you're communicating with the buyer. If you're having the same approach that everybody else in your industry is doing, well, you're not really demonstrating more value than your competitors. What is the experience that you're offering your your prospects from hello? What are the questions that you ask? What is the lingo, the verbiage that you're utilizing to set yourself apart from the commodity-based field?
0: And you know what's funny is, I I mean, and I definitely see this with my fellow Profit First professionals. I mean, they just have a level of of care and just doing all of the extras that you're talking about and such. Yet, you know, I mean, especially when they first come into Profit First professional land, they tend to price mm-hmm. themselves at you know the quote competitive pricing at the really the bottom of of the food chain to a certain degree why do you think that people think the you know well if if i charge 100 dollars an hour instead of 300 dollars an hour why why do people tend to go down that path of charging 100 dollars when they are giving a service worth 300 dollars
1: yeah confidence um you know, confidence and more confidence is lacking. So generally, they're not they're also not making pricing personal. They're also not, ta- uh, you know, putting pricing into an equation, right? And so one of the things that we always like to do whenever we're talking about pricing is it starts with you, the business owner. What is the lifestyle that you and your family want to achieve? What are your goals? What are your passions? Do you want to send your kid to private school? Do you want to buy a rental property? Do you want to open up a charity? right? What, what, what are some of your goals? And what that means is what is your desired owner's pay? And so we put that desired owner's pay, and that includes all sorts of stuff, right? So let's just say, for an example, um, the lifestyle that you and your family want to live probably equates to about 200000 Well, what we're going to do is we're going to put 200000 in the owner's pay section. We're going to look at the charts in the book or the Profit First book, and we're going to reverse engineer to determine what that real revenue is that will support that owner's pay because we have fixed fields. And so for this example, if we realize we're not in column one, we look, maybe we're in column three, but actually that real revenue doesn't support it. We're, I mean, level two, we're actually now in column three. The top line for that is $1 million. That means if you sell $1 million of services, hold to the profit first percentages, you're going to have roughly 150 in profit, 200,000 in owners pay, 150 in tax, and you have to run the business off the other 500,000. Now we say, okay, now let's take a look at our manufacturing. Let's take a look at the type of company that we want to build. And we start looking at pricing and we start saying products. Okay, how many of these products do I need to sell to get to a million? All right. How many of this service do I need to sell to get to a million? Well, if my average annual customer is, you know, worth 5,000, well then I'm going to need close to 200 customers to hit that million. But what if we raise our rates, okay, to 10,000 or 20,000, right? 10,000. That means you need a hundred customers. 20,000 is 50 customers. What type of company do you want to build? right? There, there's three different models there. One's more like fast food. The other one's more like five dining. And in the middle, mom and pa.
0: And, you know, Profit First Nation listeners, um, if you are new to the podcast, we do talk about reverse engineering based off of owner's pay targeting. Mm-hmm. And um, our most recent episode where we discuss this is episode 50. And we do have a resource available that actually walks you through the steps. It's a reverse engineer calculator based off of owner's pay target. And so you can access that on our website uh, under episode 50, under the resources tab. But also I recommend listening to that episode as well, because it kind of walks you through that calculator too, because this is really so important. It's not how much profit you want to make um profit is a cherry on top but what's really important is that you're building a business that can support your family and you know put a roof over your head put food on the table send your kids to private school if you want and so it's really really important like Ron is talking about that you start at that owner's pay and then reverse engineer from there and then like he's pointing out too and and the calculator helps you with this exercise as well is okay, if your average sale is um or your average price is $5,000, um, then, you know, it will calculate how many sales you have to make over the course of a year to, um you know, reverse engineer into that owner's pay target. But you can also play with that average sale price and bump it up to $7,000, bump it up to $8,000. But the most important aspect is that I would say, and I'm wondering if you're going to agree with me, Ron, but 90% of the entrepreneurs and business owners that I have worked with over the last decade are undervaluing themselves and giving away (laughs) their services and their prices are just way too low. And they're almost too low that they're kind of digging themselves a hole. I mean, they're not even really making enough to sustain a business for the long term.
1: Right. I see it all the time. I agree 100%. And I love that you're offering that uh, calculation. It's a fun thing to play with just to to see what you would need uh, to sell in order to earn X. Um, yeah, I, I, unfortunately... Um, You know we are caring species and that you know we want to help our customers the most we can but often you know that's at the sacrifice of ourselves and when we're sacrificing our time with our family sacrificing the money that we could be earning you know the the long-term effect is that is that you're going to not be very happy with your business but on the other side of that let's just we we understand how it can affect the home life but how is this affecting your customers how can you provide great service when you know, you're working you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week, how can you be fresh and help with strategy if you're, you know, you're, you're so busy you don't have time to really do anything? And so you know, I never want to work with an accountant, a doctor, a lawyer who is bitching and moaning about how many hours they've worked, right? you think I want a tired accountant doing my taxes, a tired lo- lawyer doing a brief, a tired surgeon? No, I don't want to tired anybody. I'd rather have the HVAC mechanic be like, hey, man, good to see you, Ron. Had a great night's sleep. Let's see what you got going on and just be energetic, enthusiastic about his job because his job is very important. It allows me to have warmth in my house, right? And so if, one's com- if a tech's coming in and they're all uh, tired, sloppy, you know, they, this, that, I'm concerned that they're not going to be doing their best job. So you got you to price more.
0: And, you know, I think that sometimes people get into this pricing, let's, for lack of a better term, pricing strategy, and they price themselves at the price of least or no resistance. So they price themselves to the point where no one is going to say that's too much, but they've really underpriced themselves. I mean, I can't tell you how many times, I mean... When someone gives me a price, and I, I have a, I have, I have, I have a real problem with this. Um, and my friends who know me, um, you know, roll their eyes when I start in a, in an Uber conversation or something with an Uber driver about their pricing. And because I find that, again, just like you said, I mean, the woman who who cleans our house when she came to give us an estimate. She said, you know, X. And I said, that's too low. (laughs) Like, you need to be Mm. charging more. I mean, I I end up paying more (laughs) for the services that I consume um, and and do a little profit-first work on these people um, because I think that people are pricing themselves to the point where there's little to no resistance. But that's okay if you're getting resistance. You can't serve everyone, so don't price yourself to the point that you can serve everyone. Because if you're you're priced to that point, like Ron said, then you're killing yourself. You're a slave to your customers. You're a slave to your business. It's going to take you 100 customers to make the money that you need instead of pricing yourself at 50% higher or doubling your price where you only have to serve half the number of customers and you're fresh to serve those customers. But you know what? You can only serve 50. So you're going to have to say no to some people. So don't price yourself like you're pricing to serve everyone. Price it for your ideal customer because there are plenty of the ideal customers who are willing to pay you that premium level pricing for that premium level service that I know if you're a listener of Profit First Nation, you're a fan of all of Mike Michalowicz's titles, that you're already like at the cream of the crop in terms of what you deliver in terms of value to your customers. Now your price needs to match that value.
1: Absolutely. I w- um, there's a flower store right next to our, our headquarters and it's beautiful. Uh, Sean does wonderful work with these flowers. When they first moved in, I was like, wow, look at this. You guys are making some beautiful bouquets. And we started talking and I started sharing. He, he was familiar with Profit First and we're, and I see he has menu pricing on the wall and he has some three-tier stuff. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, dude, your prices are way too low. Look at the art that you're creating. This is unbelievable. You need to jack these things up at a minimum 25% across the board. Well, I don't know, Ron, we're new in the name. No, nah, it's not that. Look at look at how passionate you are about what you're creating that oozes through you. It oozes through the whole store. You you deserve to be pricing more based upon the quality and the value that you're providing the community in terms of flowers.
0: And, you know, I think with anyone, I mean, you can find, I mean, if you're pricing yourself to the point of least or no resistance and everyone wants to buy you because you're so cheap, you know, I mean, if you think about your a competitor across town who you know charges twice what you're doing. I mean, are they starved for business? No, they're busy. Mm-hmm. Anytime you increase your prices, you I've never seen someone fail by increasing their prices. They just have up-leveled their their customer base and their ideal customer becomes a little bit more specific. A little bit more refined than being priced at the, I can serve everyone because no one's going to say no to my pricing at this rock bottom rate.
1: Right. Absolutely. And one of the exercises that I've personally gone through and go through with regards to price increasing is I understand that it is a, it is mentally challenging for people to increase their rates. They're nervous, they're scared. I am too. I am too. So what I like to do is declare Okay, to the staff, to my wife, to people that are in the business and and in my business that uh, we are going to be issuing in a price increase. And I do that for, you know, maybe a month or two before it actually happens. The reason why I I, want to get into a mental mind, I want to declare out in the open that we are raising our rates. The reason why, from a, a psychological perspective, when we declare something out loud or in writing, there's a much higher probability that we're actually going to do it. Right, and as the leader of the organization, I don't want—I don't want him to be known as a guy that doesn't do what he say he's going to do. I want to be known as the opposite. If Ron says we're going to be doing something, we're going to be doing it, right? And so when I declare we're doing this, it took a couple of months, but I was ready to go. January first, when we had our rate increases, boom—I knew there was no looking back. So go through that exercise yourself and declare it to others. Write it down and then hold yourself accountable to making that change.
0: And you know, I mean, I think that is an excellent point and making that public declaration is so important. It holds yourself accountable for sure. But you should also be prepared for the expectations of that. Mm-hmm. And you need to set expectations with your clients too. I think one thing, you know, we're talking about all this pricing, but the other aspect is is that you need to make this a new habit in your business. You don't just raise your rates once, you make it a habit in your business that you do it once a year, twice a year. You know, I I can't believe how many people, you know, do a quote pricing adjustment, and then just kind of set it and forget it. And, you know, three, four years later, scope has changed all of these other things. Mm -hmm. And they, but they have not been in the habit of you know, continually increasing their pricing to match the level and value of the service that they sort of, you know, keep improving upon. Um, especially, you know, people in this kind of community. I mean, you guys are thirsting for knowledge, you're thirsting for ways to do things better and such. And I know that you're making your business better, I know that you're making your client experience better. I know that the services or the goods that you're delivering are better than they were two, three years ago. But if your pricing is the same that it was two or three years ago, I mean, you're shooting yourself in the foot. You're killing your profitability. Your profitability is in your margin and your margin is your pricing.
1: Yes. Sing it, Danielle. Sing it. (laughs) Absolutely. We got to make sure that our margins are appropriate. Right. Because we and that includes a proper burden, really uh, looking at all employee costs, looking at, um, you know, upcoming costs, new equipment, things like that, as well as, I don't know, maybe a pandemic hit. So we need to have a reserve account. Uh, we call it a vault account uh, for three to six months, a core capital available at all times. I mean, you know, there's so much we can do to protect our businesses, live the lives we want and service our customers when we can price effectively.
0: So don't set it and forget it. Make sure that you are setting it as an appointment on your calendar to remind yourself to look at your pricing and, and, you know, make a habit of regularly increasing your pricing. Um, You know, and you brought up a great point there too, Ron. I mean, right now, most employers are struggling with labor. And, you know, in our Mm -hmm. office in Indiana... I did have to raise our our starting rate for um, our claims examiner position by seventy five cents per hour. I mean, that's a pretty big deal, but you know, it's it's what it took. And you know, obviously, hiring people at that rate, I'm you know making less at that rate. And you know, thankfully, we're coming up on a on a contract um, adjustment uh, with our client. And so I can kind of recoup some of that money and and build some more cushion on that. But it wasn't factored in when we signed a three year contract with the state three years ago. But, you know, markets change this that the other. and and so you really do need to keep looking at, you know, how is your labor affecting your margin?
1: right. Not only that, but we also need to put guardrails in place of our time and our staff's time. you know, if we if we have customers that are, "Quote unquote," taking advantage of us, right? Calling us morning, noon, and night, uh, asking us for constant meetings and things like that. Well, are they paying for that? Are they really paying for that, or are we simply accommodating them because we don't want to lose them as a customer? And so, one of the things to prevent scope creep, or you know, things that are outside of the contract. I don't like saying no either, but what I do say is, hey, you know what? This is outside of the scope of our relationship. It's a little different. I have no problem doing it this one time, but if this is going to be a regular, reoccurring task or initiative that I'm going to be involved in, then I'm gonna ha- we're gonna to have to take a look and adjust the um, the contract.
0: Yeah, for sure, because um, your time is money. So if you mm-hmm. if you've quoted something at, I'm just gonna use two thousand dollars and you spend 10 hours, okay, well, then your average effective rate is $200 per hour. But if you spend 40 hours, well, now you've cut your average effective rate in half. So time is money, and you really do need to be cognizant about how much time and, you know, kind of like turn it into, well, what does this turn into in terms of an effective hourly rate? If I'm spending 20 hours versus 40 hours. And remember that Parkinson's law too, you know, challenge yourself to do it in 15 hours and not 20 hours.
1: Yep. Absolutely. One of the biggest things I see, um, especially in uh, service-based businesses on wheels is rework, double work, right? And people leaving the warehouses without their vans or trucks full of materials. I mean, the situation I had here, we had a water softener uh, put in, and the guy, unfortunately, uh, reversed a couple of things. And then so um, he left for the next job. It wasn't until a few hours later that I realized it wasn't working as well as it should have been. Called the owner and said, hey, listen, you need to send a guy back here. My water's not working. He's like, I can't. I don't have anybody. I go, well, I need water. I need to take showers. I need to do stuff like that. Your guy was here and didn't do it. He's like, okay, let me see what I can do. He had to call a plumber friend of his, they had to own a plumbing company, come over and reverse the pipes that they had coming out of the machine. And so, what do you think his margin on that job was? Uh,
0: he lost totally. money. Totally, He
1: lost money. So that's why your margins are so important. Are you are you blending in, you know, oh no's or reworks or taking into consideration things not going well?
0: Yeah. Well, Make I mean- Make sure you are. Yeah. Let, let's be honest. It sounds like the employee he has is a two-star employee and should be following a checklist. Um to make sure, because that seems like a pretty uh, rookie mistake that he did. Uh, on you. Yeah. So I very
1: rookie mistake. I even <laughs> took a picture and sent it to the guy. I'm like, how could this be?
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us, Ron. You are the Obi Ron, the master of profit first.
1: Thank you so much, Danielle, for having me as a guest and audience. Remember, may the profits be with you. Have a great day.
0: Remember, we make it really easy to follow along with our episode visual recaps. To have our visual recaps texted to you or emailed, we have that feature now that we can email you as well as text you the visual recaps each Thursday with each new episode of Profit First Nation. You can do that by opting in and providing either your email or cell phone number When you access our resources for the first time, just go to ProfitFirstNation.com and click on resources. And please remember and know that there are bookkeepers, accountants, and coaches in this world with the heart of a teacher ready to serve you and your business with their certified Profit First knowledge, skills, and experience. Just visit ProfitFirstNation.com and click on connect to connect with one of my fellow certified Profit First Professional Peeps. Cheers to another profitable day, my entrepreneurial friend. Profit First Nation website, related podcasts, and resources are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, accounting, or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional.